And I know that's all just psychological stuff, but it seems better to me than a lot of other people you might put in that position. Especially since the bloody Orioles are above 500. I, I hate that. this division so much. <laughs> uh, you give me Juan Soto for this year and two more. I don't care if he sticks around. And welcome to episode number 241 of Artificial Turf Wars, where Josh has promised never to fire me in the middle of a season. I'm your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined, of course, by the uh, extremely enthusiastic and uh, never late or off schedule Joshua Housem. How are you doing today, sir? <laughs> it's a little subtle jab because all of our delays have recently been my fault. Um, and also, Not all Greg, of them. Just, Not Greg, all Greg of them. just got the dreaded vote of confidence from me there. <laughs> oh, no, not the vote of confidence. I, think, I hear a ticking clock. Why, why do I suddenly hear a ticking clock? <laughs> it's because you're it's because you're in Stranger Things and you're you're in trouble. Oh my goodness! All right, so yeah, Charlie Montoyo, how wrong we were. We will discuss that. Uh, the Schneider Man is 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 now the man in Toronto. We will talk about a little bit about his background with the Blue Jays, which is quite extensive. Um, the All Star selections continue, which is always good to hear. Your players are are stars. Uh, the rotation. We definitely can talk for a minute about the rotation because it's back intact mostly, uh, and the parts that are intact look really good. Uh, they're throwing to Danny Jansen again, which we had speculated uh, what would happen when Danny Jansen came back, and we have our answer now. Uh, Matt Chapman, who continues to be excellent defensively, might might have tinkered with his swing a bit and decided that whatever he's doing offensively is is going to get even better. Um, Teoscar Hernandez didn't, I don't know if he tinkered with anything, but wow, he's, he's on a tear right now. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Also, uh, we talked last week about how the warm weather is, is good for him. It continues to be good for him. Uh, the Blue Jays are tinkering a bit with the lineup. We'll talk about that actually before that. They're also tinkering with the bullpen. Anytime you have a new manager, I think you get, you get changes here and there. Front office has been, uh, looking for help in the bullpen. Turns out it wasn't Sergio Romo is all I'm saying. We have one question from you guys because uh, we have not answered all the questions in the universe yet, so we, we continue to get them. We have a do-over combination with a gold star because, um, you know, the Kansas City Royals as an organization are pretty cool, but some of their players, <clears throat> 10 of them, are uncool. <laughs> we're going to talk about the uncoolest one of all. Josh, we were sure Charlie Montoya was, was the man as far as the front office concerned, and apparently we, we don't know nothing. Yeah, yeah, we definitely were not correct. And now, in fairness, we did not come on this podcast last week and people were calling for his head and say he's definitely going to be here. We just didn't talk about it because we knew there was a good chance we would get it wrong no matter what we said. Yeah, yeah, we, but we, yeah, he's, we, yeah, he's we, done. We understand our limitations. Yeah, always kill when people ask us to predict something uh, in the in the questions. What do you think will happen? Oh yeah, totally. I mm, I, I think a lot of things. I know nothing. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, some people are, uh, we're talking about some things, of course, that happened in the game before his firing. And I, I think we need to talk about how that might be the worst take of all, um, in my opinion, as far as when a manager get fired, gets fired. I don't think it ever has anything to do with the game before he gets fired. Oh, no, 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 no. 
I mean, you know, first off, that's just silly to begin with. And then Atkins completely dispelled that, said they've been thinking about it for a couple of weeks and sort of going over what was it was it was the right move or not. It was it did not. The stuff with Vlad and the challenge, which was really bad, by mm-hmm. the way, um, didn't make I guess we can. OK, yeah. So Vlad was at, at first base, um, made a catch when he was out of position and he stuck his foot back to try and hit the side of the base and he knew he missed. Um I, for those of you who don't watch Vlad on replay challenges, he is always supremely confident that he beat the runner. <laughs> but this time, he wasn't. He was like, no, 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 I, I wasn't on the bag. Like, there was dirt between my foot and, and the bag. It's not, don't challenge it. And then they went and challenged it anyway. Yeah, that was just really bad. I mean, it, it's one thing, so Vlad has a habit of calling for challenges when he shouldn't. Yeah. And... Okay, like I get that. Like your guys often think that they were on the right side of the play, but if they tell you they are on the wrong side of it, yeah, don't bother. Trust them. They know <laughs> if they didn't do it. Yeah, no, nobody is going to intentionally make themselves look bad when they were doing good. That's not how it works. <laughs> and 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 Vlad was visibly very very angry. Mm-hmm. And then the very next thing was a pickoff attempt to first, and they couldn't challenge it because it looked like he might have been out. I don't know. I couldn't see the replay because I was li- I was at the game. But and then Vlad was upset. He, he raised his arms like, "Oh, well, now what do we do?" Right? <clears throat> and yeah. you just don't want that to be happening. But this rolls back, like you said, a couple of weeks. Um, so I, I think I don't know if it's in-game decisions that they were critical of. I have a feeling it was more the kind of thing where. Um, like, if I were the, the head office, the consistently throwing Yusei Kikuchi under the bus, a guy who obviously has confidence problems, would have been like a red flag for me in terms of whether I had the clubhouse or not. Yeah, and it's very funny. So Atkins, when I was asked the question, did he lose the clubhouse? His response, no. Didn't, didn't elaborate. <clears throat> and then the stories start coming out. You know, guys were upset. They like they felt that the leadership wasn't there, and he wasn't really responding the way they should have. That they would have hoped a manager would respond when they were dealing with losses. And it's like, okay, so he clearly did lose the clubhouse. (laughs) There might be something more. There might be some issue with communication with the front office. There might be multiple things that we don't know about and will never know about. But it's very clear that members of the clubhouse were not thrilled with his job i mean I, so there's a a question asked of a veteran player unnamed were you surprised this happened no yeah um, so i mean the flat blunt no not even a well you know like it's we're playing poorly it's just no it shows that he was on his way out for sure yeah um ross stripling was probably the most diplomatic about it saying that they really liked him and they wish they could have played better for him which i think is a respectful way to say you know we didn't get the job done he didn't get his job done. It's kind of inferred that he also didn't get his job done when you say that. Um, and then Bo Bichette was basically like, yeah, I'm not going to get into it, but he's gone now. And it's like, okay. <laughs> it's a bit yeah. rough. <laughs> um, but often, I mean, these decisions are also because you can't fire players. I mean, you can trade them, but you can't, you can't fire 25 guys who aren't quite putting it together. Now, the Blue Jays are, are above 500. Um, they still look to me like they have all the ingredients of a, of a winning ball club. And I don't mean like, I mean, a playoff ball club. Um, does John Schneider's elevation from the bench to the manager's seat actually do something? 
Well, that obviously remains to be seen, right? It's hard to ever. So there's a thing about manager firings. I think I said this on Twitter, but teams typically do well after they change the manager just because you don't fire a manager mid-season unless your team is vastly underperforming. So just basic regression to the mean makes it look like it was the manager change when really it was just statistical normalcy. Yeah. And I expect that to happen here too. I mean, the Jays are better than they have played. And, you know, they lost 9 of 10. No team is as bad when it loses 9 of 10, or in the Angels' case, 12 in a row, as they actually look. Oh, sorry. The other thing about that firing timing is, unfortunately, Mark Budzinski's daughter passed away. And I think that probably threw a whole wrench into their plans from the optics of firing a manager the day he was going to attend a, a funeral. Oh, yeah, I'm sure he wouldn't have lasted the Seattle series if not for that. Um, I mean, obviously, I'm really glad they didn't fire him while he was at a funeral. That'd be a horrible look. But, you know, they let him finish the next game. But at the same time, you can't just say, oh, they want a game, we'll keep him. If the decision is made to get rid of him, you got to get rid of him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, As for Schneider, uh, I I was saying, I was thinking that we should have opened this with the Dukes of Hazzard theme song. John Schneider (laughs) was Bo Duke. But, uh, you know, he's made one change already. Vlad uh, bat second. Yeah, Vlad is batting second and Bo is hitting fourth, which just is so much better. <laughs> yeah. Um, and of course, in the very first game that they do that, Vlad comes up in the first and hits into a double play and just like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like um, every every great hitter has moments where they look shamefully bad you know even even mike trout etc etc that happens from time to time i feel like vlad in in the last year or so has really picked the spots where to do get exactly the wrong result which is beyond his control um (laughs) but i just feel like it's like now's your time to shine vlad and he's popped it up to the pitcher (laughs) yeah so vlad is only has a 684 ops this month and he has not walked once in fact, his OBP is lower than his batting average because he is a sack fly. So John Schneider went on the radio and said that he's talked to Vlad and he's got to get better at just not he, – he just gets so jumpy. He just decides he, – he swings at the first pitch constantly or when there's runners on base, he definitely does it more often and he just needs to stop. He needs to actually wait to get a pitch to hit that he can hit as opposed to grounding out on these pitches off the outside corner. And you know, they're going to work on it. It's not going to happen overnight, but hopefully the change happens. And I, I think, you know, his talent level supports that change happening. But you have to have someone who you trust telling you, hey, you're doing it wrong right now. Like you've, you've gotten out of good habits. And then you have to trust that that person is really seeing what's, what's wrong, right? Um, yep. So, I mean, he's the thing with Schneider, and I think this is this is actually important for this team. These many many of these players who were not, you know, brought in as free agents have played under him in the minors on winning teams. Yeah, especially Vlad, Bo, and well, Biggio doesn't matter as much, but Vlad and Bo, those are the ones that matter. But just the the overall idea of um, he knows how to pilot a winner. He knows them and their habits already so he's as a manager right not as a hitting coach or or whichever like he, he is in some ways these young players are coming back to a guy who they are recognized and and may well already be comfortable with because they know he can win and i know that's all just psychological stuff 
but it seems better to me than a lot of other people you might put in that position. Yeah. And, and this is just also a comfort level, right? They know that they can work under him. Mm-hmm. So if you have that available to you, take advantage. And the Jays have, and hopefully it works. Yeah. And I, like you said, I think it just, even if it regresses back to expected levels of performance, um, we get back into the, hey, this is a 90 plus win team kind of yeah. range. So, yeah. sure. Uh, and we know it's a great 90. What, sorry, anything else about Schneider before I make a cool segue? No, I think that's, I think we've covered it. There's not that, just, there's not, a, ugh, there's just not that much to say about a new manager. It, we, we've seen him for three games. So, yeah, nothing else. He's pushed all the buttons. Um, so, we know that the team must be good because they keep selecting people for the all star team off of it. <laughs> uh, so since we last talked, we had the, the, the fan selections of Kirk and Guerrero. Uh, and then um, was it Stanton was not going to be in the outfield for he opted out. So they selected Springer. Um, no, Springer Springer earned his spot. Oh, Springer earned his spot. OK. Yeah, he was named to the Play, team initially. from the player vote. Yeah. But Springer has been having that um, nagging elbow issue and has decided that four days off would be probably better than his fourth All-Star game, which I think we've seen this opt out a lot when it's a multiple, like first All-Star game, a guy would almost always go. Um, but if it's multiple appearances, they sort of know the drill. If there if there's a reason not to go, a lot of guys do opt out. So I, I respect that, that that is the smart move in this case. Yeah, I agree. Then they also selected Alec Manoa, which I would have been really actually kind of peeved if they hadn't, because he has been awesome all season long. Um, and I cannot believe they're not letting this guy finish games. So frustrating. <laughs> yeah, I was really surprised that he came out after seven in his last start with 86 pitches. Why are you using Richards for the second time in three days? And just let Manoa go one more. I, I, I don't get it. But maybe because they're going to pitch him in the All-Star game, they wanted to have him go a little short of this game. Well, I mean, I, it is true he's never had a full season of, of you know, of however many innings a full season is now. He's, he's never made 34 starts in a season. So I, I kind of get if, if you have a seven-run lead, it doesn't really matter if the guys you bring in give up a run or two. It's maybe you don't want to push him past, you know, 100, 110 pitches. But it is a weird move, and it frustrates me as a – Admittedly, old school baseball fan, but I, I just, it is what it is, I guess. Um, the complete game is, I thought it was dead five years ago. It is, it is passed on completely now. Definitely in the afterlife. <laughs> the ghost of the complete game. Um, <laughs> and then Santiago Espinal. What was, what was the, the machinations of him being selected to the All-Star game? So it's very simple. He finished second to Jose Altuve in the fan vote. And Altuve got hurt. There you go. So he's in. Santiago <laughs> has no business being in the All-Star game, but he's in. Yeah, because, I mean, if you put at the moment, now we, we cancel out the defense because obviously Santiago uh, Espinal's defense is, is better than, you know, eight of the other players on this team. Um, <laughs> but if you look at his, his hitting, you could make the argument that he's slid back enough to his, you know, to mean that Kevin Vigio is is a valuable hitter and t- at a toss-up or better um, with Espinal lately, which is a thing I didn't think I'd be saying in April. 
Yeah, it's. I mean, Espinal just hasn't been hitting very well. I mean, he's he's. Well, I think actually Biggio hasn't been hitting very well either. He had that that great numbers when he first came back, but in July, Espinal has a three fourteen on base and a three thirty three slugging. Biggio has a three oh eight on base and a three thirty three slugging. So neither of them is hitting at all, which is not great. No, because uh, and Espinal is the much better defender, so he's yeah. going to play more. But one of them is playing second base every night, so you hopefully one of them figures it out. <laughs> yeah, you definitely want someone to hit. Um, but that's cool. I mean, you're, you're going to see him as a... Uh, th- that makes him a starter, does it not? I don't know exactly how that works. <laughs> <laughs> if Santiago Espinal starting in the All-Star game, it's going to be funny. The entire right side of the infield would be Toronto Blue Jays. Um, yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, a g- good thing it doesn't really matter. Um, so the rotation, uh, he he said, with actually a little bit of a grin on his face. Uh, Kevin Gaussman returned, gave, what was it, six innings? Yes. Of what, you know, I mean, he lost the game because the Blue Jays didn't realize they were playing the AAA version of the Royals. What are you going to do? That might be generous. Um, but he gave up two runs in six. I would be fine with that every time out, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> Alec Manoa gave up, uh, was it one run last night in seven? And he continues, except for that one start in uh, in Oakland where he gave up four. That was by far his worst start of the season. Uh, Jose Barrios suddenly found the, oh, I can eat innings and not give up a lot of runs uh, groove and strike out a crap ton of people. Um that game against the Phillies was so weird. He gave up three runs in six, mm-hmm. and he, but he had two strikes on every hitter. <laughs> so I was at this game, and this is the one where Vlad had the craziness at first base. But that the first one they scored, he he went to two strikes on every hitter, and they got three singles in a row <laughs> and scored a run. Next one had two strikes, bomb. <laughs> the same thing again, but he just he got thirteen strikeouts in six innings, which is absurd. <clears throat> Um, yeah. Well, 12 outs on those 13 strikeouts because of the aforementioned play. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and even the hits, like they weren't great hits other than the home run, which was crushed. But he just looked really, really good. Yeah, and I, I think you can expect um, more of that out of Jose Barrios. Like, the, everyone everyone who saw him get, you know, traded away from Minnesota is like, oh, he's been overrated the whole time. It's like, well, I mean, if you th- expect him to be an ace, yes, he's overrated. But if you're expecting him to be a guy who gives you 200 innings and, and you know, makes all of his starts and and uh, and goes deep into games, I don't, I don't think he's overrated at all. I think he was having a rough uh, April and May. Seems like we're getting somewhere. And, and somewhere is not an exceptionally... Uh, crazy thing to expect going forward. Uh, yeah. Who am, I, who am I forgetting? Ross Stripling. Oh, yeah. That's... Yeah, I should be slapped. <laughs> so Ross Stripling is now going six and seven innings instead of five, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> his, his ERA in the season is down to three zero three. It's amazing that this guy... I, like, if if... If there's a team MVP for the regular season, I, I don't care what anyone's hitting or anything else. I think Ross Stripling gets it just in terms of of the uh, do-as-you're-told, come-when-you're-called aspect of his his season so far. And, and filling a massive hole. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, so his last time out, he went seven innings against the Phillies and gave up two unearned runs because Bo Bichette made an error, and then he gave up a two-run homer. Like, the Phillies can hit. I mean, they, they can't pitch great, and they have no defense, but they can hit. And he just made them look stupid. He had two hits, no walks in yeah. seven innings. <laughs> he threw 81 pitches in seven innings. It's crazy. Uh, so now the Blue Jays just need to figure out whether Max Castillo can can nudge through five on a regular basis, and then they'll actually have a decision when you say Kikuchi comes back. Yeah, I just quickly, just while we're still on tripling. Yeah. Since moving to the rotation, in eight starts, he's only thrown forty-two and a third because you know that's he was building up, but his ERA is two point one three. Um, you know, and, and if you listen to Dodger fans online, they're like, yeah, he did this in L.A. for a half season. He literally yeah. dragged the Dodgers through a half season when they lost all of their pitching. But that's a, that was one of the things that so people might forget this, that he was supposed to be traded to the Angels with Jock Peterson. And then the Mookie Betts deal was getting was falling through. And then Artie Moreno just pulled out. He just said, no, I don't want to deal with this anymore. I don't want to wait anymore for some godforsaken reason. You don't think the Angels could have used Ross Stripling, a team that can never pitch? And, well, they would have screwed him up anyway. Oh, I mean, of course they would have. They're the Angels. But he's been a very useful major league starting pitcher at times for his whole career, except for the one year the Jays traded for him where he was terrible. I I just I give the man all of the props in the world. Um, so yep, uh, yeah. So now the Blue Jays are four fifths of the way to a working starting rotation. Which this bullpen has nine outs in it just about every night. It does not have twelve or fifteen. So <laughs> we need to figure it out or get a better bullpen. Um, <clears throat> the other things we were going to talk about in the lineup: Danny Jansen is healthy and returning. We had a debate at first that it might be Zach Collins who was going to get optioned and they would keep Moreno up. And then I think we dis we decided that probably they were going to let Moreno play every day. And sure enough, they demoted Gabriel Moreno so he could play every day in AAA and kept Zach Collins. Yeah. I mean, that was the right move. And I like what it does to the lineup a lot more because now Kirk doesn't have to catch as much, which means he can DH and play more. It was harder to have Kirk DH every time he didn't catch when he's catching five out of seven games. It's, it's just it's just too much strain on the body. I mean, the only catcher who does that is Salvador Perez, and he's now injured. But And he's been injured multiple times, actually. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's it, it's good. I know, obviously, Jansen, if he hits the way he was hitting before, then it just makes the lineup that much better. As good as Moreno could have been, he was starting to – get exposed a little bit as being not ready which is fine like he wasn't ready but yeah it's great i mean jansen's hitting 500 since his return <clears throat> three for six um but no home runs no just singles singles only I mean, it's time for him to hit a home run today it's actually really annoying playing. because before that when he came back he had more home runs than singles and now he doesn't oh the the quirk actually the he might he might still he had more home runs than non-home run hits <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know how many doubles are in there. Uh, okay. Speaking of guys who are hitting home runs, Matt Chapman, he homered last night uh, and the night before. So what, what magic hath he unboxed now? 
Oh, geez. Um, so Chapman has apparently not been using his legs <laughs> for swinging. Okay. Yeah, I don't really know what that's about, but yeah, he he was he was spoke, speaking to David Singh, who's covering the Blue Jays. While I guess Chad Davidi has some time off, and he said, he said that I'm just trying to use my legs a little bit. It's easy to lose a feel for things over the course of a season, so just trying to get that feel back of using my legs. When I use the ground, good things happen for sure. Now it sounds more like he had just gotten out of what he was used to doing, and they've now noticed what it was, and they're working on it, and. Great. Um, Chapman, he's hitting eight. He has an eight ten OPS since the start of July. Again, these are all really small samples, but you know, he's got four bombs in fourteen games. If he can just be that guy who just hits a little more home, a few more home runs, and basically does everything else he's been doing, then it's great. As, as we like to say on Twitter, that's Chappy. Um, we like to say it. On offense, not just on defense. Um, <clears throat> Teoscar Hernandez. I felt like last week I looked and Teoscar Hernandez's OPS was like 635 or something. And now, after his last week of hitting at 400 with a couple of bombs, um, yeah, suddenly he looks 100% legit again. Which I suppose he was going to get back to, but it just seemed to take forever for him to to lock in this season, which was kind of scary, to be honest. Yeah, he had that bout with COVID. No, next, no, he had the oblique strain, not not COVID. And when he came back, especially in May, he was just awful. He, like, he just wasn't doing anything. But since the calendar turned to, turn to June, again, this is just month endpoints because I don't want to pick random games. He's hitting 319 with a 362 on base and a 595 slugging. That's the best version of Teoscar that we have seen. And he's actually surprisingly been doing it for a month and a half. He just had a little mini slump in the middle of that, but he's firing. And, you know, that bat is just so, so important to this team. On the season... His for the whole season, despite you know coming back of everything you just talked about, his WRC plus is the same as Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Sorry, the same as George Springer's, and one point below Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Yeah, I, it's it's just nice when it's just not those two guys being the guy since Bo's not doing anything that you're counting on to score the runs. Yeah, it's. Uh, it's pretty crazy. There's a lot of guys with the WRC plus, by the way, in this lineup over uh, 100 and uh, over 100. So everybody's an above average hitter, pretty much. So they just gotta put that. Well, okay, except for Ryan Tapia, um, but who's <laughs> actually hitting really well lately? <laughs> yeah. Um, so you know, if they could figure out the back end of the pitching, I, there's everything. Everything else is kind of in place already. Uh, like Lourdes Gurriel Jr who had a four-hit game the other night, because when he's hot, that's the kind of thing Lourdes Gurriel Jr. can do. He's still having such a strange season, because he's he's hitting 303 with a, with a 353 on base, which is the highest of his career. Both those numbers would be career highs. But he's only got five home runs. He has fewer home runs than Santiago Espinal. Yeah, and normally Lourdes is good for, what, 20? Oh, I mean... If you, if you just think of the fact that Lourdes Gurriel always gets injured, then yes. But <laughs> no, but it, it's it's a funny thing. So last year he had a little, he only hit 20 in 140 games, but 
his 162 game pace for his career prior to this year was 30. And now he's like 10. So yeah, yeah. it's exactly 10 because they played 82 games or 9.8 or something. But it's really strange. I don't know. It's almost as if he's changing. He's trading power for contact. And I was wrong. He hit 308 in 2020. So it wouldn't be a career high batting average. But I don't know. It, it's just it's odd. You you would. I think the Jays would definitely want more power from him. He's hitting more doubles, but the home runs just aren't happening. I, I would say that in a lineup with Hernandez, uh, Springer, uh, and and Guerrero, I mean, if, if you can get that OBP up, maybe doubles aren't such a bad thing from from Lourdes Gurriel Jr. If if it's going to meet an extra twenty points of OBP. You know, it's it's a fair point. Uh, whether they need him to hit for the power or not, I do think there's an aspect of depends on how the guys, like you're saying, how the guys around him are doing. When Teoscar and Chapman were struggling, you kind of needed the power because he would get a hit and then the inning would end. Mm-hmm. But if those guys behind him are hitting, you just need him to get on base, and then those guys can drive him in as they've been doing. Yeah, I mean. We'll see how that dynamic plays out going forward. Obviously, it, it, yeah, everybody depends on everybody else. Um, all right, so nod to Teoscar and Lourdes, uh, the bullpen. The bullpen is just a bunch of jigsaw puzzle pieces from different puzzles at the moment. Sergio Romo has been DFA'd. I'm sorry we didn't really get to talk about the Sergio Romo era, considering, oh, I don't know, he's really old and not very good anymore. <laughs> Yeah, I think that covered it. We did it. <laughs> oh, I did it. Whoops. I, I covered the Sergio Romo era. Um, so the Blue Jays have traded for minor leaguer, you told me this, Foster Griffin? Yes. So the reason that this move was made, in my opinion, well, one, Griffin, he's 26, so he's not young. He's barely pitched in the major leagues, but he can throw kind of hard. He hits 96 from the left side with a good cutter and has good minor league numbers this year. But the biggest reason is they can send him to the minors. Yeah, Sergio Romo, you couldn't do that with. So they, with the way that the Jays sometimes need to use their relievers, especially on days like today, we're recording this before the Saturday game, Max Castillo probably isn't going to go that deep, which might hurt the bullpen. So being able to got, bring guys up and down is pretty important. Yeah. Um, and then they did they call up Sosedo when they DFA'd Romo? Was that who no, got it? Or Beasley. 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 Oh, great. The right-handed Sosedo. <laughs> There's some pretty middling bullpen options out there. Uh, and I'm, I'm still hoping the Jays trade for or and or pick up off of the waiver wire someone who throws 98 miles an hour and has no control. I'm looking forward to that moment where um, you just pray this dude hits the strike zone because he's unhittable if he can. You know that guy. He's always around at this time of the year. Well, sure. And they need to do that. I think. I hope they realize that they need to do that. I'm assuming they realize that they yeah, need to do that. I think they're aware. I just think the the with this so many playoff spots in in uh, in the mix, I think it's harder to find that team that's like, well, we can't we can't afford to continue with this configuration this season. We, we we're going to plan for the future. So Especially like since the, the bloody G- Orioles are above 500. Sorry, oh, they need this division so much. Uh, <laughs> They just need to draft Ben Joyce. There's this guy. His name's Ben Joyce. Pitches for University of Tennessee. He throws. He has hit 105 and a half miles per hour. That's. There's only one other dude who does that or did that. Correct. And 
that's all he's got. <laughs> doesn't really have anything else, apparently, which is why he's apparently he's not even a first rounder potentially. But I don't care. Take him and stick him in the bullpen. Just say, just throw it at the catcher. We'll just deal with it. Yeah, we'll 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 figure it out. We'll figure out the rest later. You just get it to the catcher. That's awesome. That's um, the extent of our draft coverage before the draft because it's nonsense to try to discuss things discuss things when the team's picking in the twenties. Beyond that. <laughs> Thank you for not not burdening me with draft talk. I do appreciate that. <laughs> uh, any other we, thoughts? We, about... We'll have a guest next week who can tell us about what the draft was like. Yeah, I mean, I don't mind talking about the draft in retrospect. I'm yeah. okay with that. But yeah, not ahead of it. <laughs> so, uh, do we have any other bullpen comments from your end? Well, I mean, so Trevor Richards is is back from his quote unquote next strain. Um, it's very funny that he and Kikuchi both went down with the same phantom injury, which is the joke about people hitting the ball too hard off you. But he's back. And he has looked okay, he's looked good since coming back, including striking out the side against the Phillies in that in that uh stripling start. The key for me is the so the first three outings after he came back, he pitched three and a third, but he walked four batters. He hasn't walked a batter in his last three. The good version of Trent of Trevor Richards isn't walking many people. The bad version is because he's always going to give up bombs. That, that he just he's a fastball changeup pitcher with a bad curveball. That guy's going to give up home runs. The just the key is that they're the only hits he's giving up. And this season that had not been the case. So or base runners, I should say. I so say, you're going to say base runners, aren't you? Yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Correct. <laughs> yeah, but. So hopefully that that's being corrected a little bit because obviously his last three outings is two and two third with seven strikeouts. You can't do better than that. Really. As long as there's no free passes, things, things look okay. So, all right, well, we'll watch and see as we go forward, uh, see how many outs there are in that bullpen every night. Um, We're going to come back with your question, singular, uh, unless something has changed in, in while we take this break. And, uh, and then we have a, a combination, do-over and gold star. We'll be right back. And we're back. And apparently I can't count to one, or maybe I can, because we have three questions. But as it turns out, as news had broken as we started this podcast... The questions are all about the same thing. So maybe they are one question. And I'm going to play the stinger just to see if that's true. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. Now how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? For once, I'm actually going to repeat the question. So Colleen Evans at Colleen Evans 6 says, what do you think it would take for the Jays to trade for Juan Soto? This is in light of a Ken Rosenthal tweet and article that says, Juan Soto rejects $440 million offer. Nationals will now entertain trading him. Uh, Split Letters at Split Letters Foul Out Boy says, bring us your Soto trade packages. And Ewan Ross at Mentalk says, how much would your Soto package change if he's willing to extend? I mean, I think he's... I think it's a given. I don't, I don't think you trade for Juan Soto without willing to extend. I'll start with that. What do you think? I totally disagree. Oh, you just take him now? He's, he's under control for two more years. You give me Juan Soto for this year and two more, I don't care if he sticks around. You, you're gonna, <laughs> you could win two, three World Series with that guy in this lineup. 
for those of you who do not watch National League Baseball, uh, Juan Soto is essentially the modern day Ted Williams slash Albert Pujols, I think, would be as a hitter. He gets on base an unbelievable amount. He hits for power. He is unstoppable. So the goofy stat that I'll just throw out there just to show the plate discipline this guy has. Last year, he did not chase one fastball above the zone. Not one in 654 plate appearances did he swing at it. That's that's a lot of discipline, all packed into one one incredible pack. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy who has led the National League in on-base percentage in 2020, of shortened season, obviously, and 2021, and has never had one below 400 in his career, and has never slugged below 500 in his career. He's at 490 this year because he started slow, but he's hitting well lately. Um, and 490, yeah. a 405 on base and a 490 is a slow start. Like, <laughs> that's what we're talking about for how good a hitter Juan Soto is. Yeah, and and the the Nationals are crap and planning on being crap for the near future. And they gave it, they offered him four hundred forty million dollars, but uh, it looks like fourteen years is the rumor, and that's gonna. As we we were talking briefly, it's not gonna put him up above Mike Trout. And I mean, Mike Trout is in his thirties. And you got to be better than Trout if you're 23 years old and the best hitter, the best young hitter in the game. Not that there aren't a lot of great young hitters in the game, but you could say Soto is the best. I think you wouldn't get much pushback if you said Soto is the best. So as for what it would take to get him, I, I don't know who, I, if anybody, I would put off limits. Like I would maybe hesitate with Manoa, maybe Vlad, but that's it. Like they ask for anybody else and I'm saying, yeah, okay, we could put him in the deal. I wouldn't even necessarily say no. Vlad, there's too much. You can't really trade Vlad. Like you just, he's the face of your franchise and you're a competitive team. You just, he's second. You, so let's get, let's take him off the table. Well, I don't, I don't think the Nationals want Vlad necessarily because they're going to have the same, a similar problem to the problem they have with Juan Soto with Vlad, right? Well, maybe Vlad would take $440 million, but maybe, but yeah, but Manoa, he's an ace. You got him for another six year, five years after this. Well, okay. Like I, I would probably still be considering it, but I can understand it. But no, nobody else. Like you want anybody else? Fine. You, want, you can have yeah, him. You want? Okay. You want Alejandro Kirk and? Um, I'm trying to think of. Do we have? Oh, and um, who's the minor league shortstop we were talking about? Shortstop, Aurelvis Martinez? Aurelvis, yeah. Okay, you want Aurelvis Martinez and Alejandro Kirk for one soda. <laughs> yeah, I mean, absolute <laughs> heartbeat. No, no, they would want way more than that, though. We're probably, we're probably talking about, like, Bo Bichette, Gabriel Moreno, Aurelvis Martinez, and someone else. Like, that's the kind of thing it's going to take to trade Juan Soto, is my bet. It's going to be a stupid package that's going to be really hard to deal, and I'd still do it. I, I like that's how I, good Juan Soto is. I was gonna say I like roll the dice, Josh Housem, general manager, Mister House. Oh, good. <laughs> it's well, gonna take yeah. if he gets traded, the package will be mind blowing. I, I, I this is why I don't think he'll get traded. I think it's really hard for teams in the middle of a season to trade that kind of stuff off the major league roster because that's what it's gonna take. It's not gonna be a prospect only package. There's no way they can trust that. No, you, but. You, you, yeah. you need to get Major League Ready talent because you're trading away such a huge piece of Major League Ready talent, and you need to justify it to your fan base in a certain way. And I guess, and then back to the reason they wouldn't want Vlad, really, or 
or is that or Manoa in this case, if you're trading Juan Soto, you need at least three, probably four or five guys who could be really good major leaguers back. So this is this has to be a franchise altering trade. And if you just get one or two guys, it's not that. But you'd still um, do it. Good to know you'd yeah. still do it. Of course I would. <laughs> uh, as uh, for Ewan's question, how much would it change if he's willing to extend? Um, a little bit. But, I mean, it's still if, – if you're extending Soto, it's going to cost you down the road elsewhere because your budget's going to go crazy. Yeah. I mean, there's a, it's it's somewhere in the neighborhood of 400 to $500 million depending on length of contract. Um, I don't know. This is this – is, uh, so next week you can all ask the same question about uh, – about Shohei Otani, and we'll we'll copy paste the answers, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my my favorite thing is 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 the um the Mike Trout Mike Trout continues to be the greatest player of all time. Shohei Otani does something that hasn't been done in eighty six years since Tungsten Armo Doyle did it. I think it was that was the thing that and and uh, yeah. and the, the Angels lose eight two. <laughs> Eight three, yeah. Eight like, three. Yeah. Trout hit three home runs, and I'm telling you, it's something. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, why are they on the Angels? Because they're showy and they're cool, and Artie Moreno doesn't really want to win baseball games. Is my only possible conclusion there. Um. All right, that was the question section. Now, now I get to press two buttons, not at exactly the same time, where it's really gonna, it's gonna confuse me. So we'll start with uh, the do over. Oops. Say the quiet part loud and the loud part quiet. <laughs> but what if you could do it all over again? But what I really meant was... And blended with... I think that's rather brilliant. So I did good, right? I mean, I would have thought you'd get a gold star. You enjoy that. You've earned it. The Kansas City Royals are a team filled with, how shall I put it, uh, foolish people, apparently. Ten. Ten players are not vaccinated and did not make the trip to Toronto which is pretty amazing. Um, chief among them, Whit Merrifield. <laughs> but not only is Whit Merrifield not vaccinated, apparently he doesn't want to keep any friends on the team that he currently has. Because even as a, as a fan base, he made some comments that, that are, don't sit well. But man, as a teammate, I would not be very happy. Would you like to uh, elaborate? Yeah, so basically... So what Merrifield is kind of the face of their franchise other than Perez. He's been around the longest. And, well, so he basically said – this is the quote. After he says it's a you know the personal choice, whatever, blah, 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 blah. And then he says, the only reason I would think about getting it at this point is to go to Canada. That might change down the road. Something happens and I happen to get on a team that has a chance to go play in Canada in the postseason. Maybe that changes. But as we sit here right now, I'm comfortable with my decision. He's basically saying, if my team were good, I'd do it. Basically, I, I'm not going to do anything for the team I'm on, only for a better one. That he doesn't actually have any conviction in his stance about not getting the vaccine. If the team was good, he'd have it. So he's just saying, like, yeah, well, screw this team. They don't matter. That's what he said. Yes. And Liter literally, screw you guys. I'm going home. <laughs> Dayton Moore, their GM, called the comments disgusting. That's, that's, that's what you a, want to hear a, from, from the guy have. who's employing you. <laughs> and so the, the do-over, so Merrifield, I mean, he, he doesn't even get the do-over actually really because they asked him about it and he doubled down on it. He said the same – he's like, I want to clarify and then said the same damn thing. Um, But whatever. We're still going to – we're nice. So we're going to give the do-over. 
but uh, the not the the uh, the Royals, as the rest of the team, they get the gold star. Yes, as as the actual authority of the team, not the face of it. Uh, their social media, right after announcing the ten players who would not be making the trip due to their restricted status, uh, they basically subtweeted themselves, which is which is a miracle with uh, a list of all of the times that they have held vaccination events for anyone who wanted to come to the ballpark, like, you know, sane people might do, who wanted to protect themselves and their fellow citizens from a disease that can be very, very nasty. Oh, yeah, and it's a safe and effective way to do it. <laughs> yeah, and... Oh, I wish I could remember who it was. Um, shoot. That one of the one of the Royals players, I think it was Lopez, Nikki Lopez, after the game when they won the first one in the series, she's like, Yeah, I just, you know, it's really, really good for all the guys that are here. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's very clear that so in Maryfield's statement, he says, My teammates know this and they have my back. They clearly don't. Like they're they're obviously upset at what has occurred and that they're, they're in this weird situation where they're playing with half of a minor league roster in Toronto. Yeah. So good on these players for calling out the nonsense and good on the social media team for calling out the nonsense. Yeah. And I mean, I, I don't know how else to make people see reason um, other than at this point shunning them socially, which is, is you know, not 100% everybody's doing it, but it is kind of, it's being pointed out that if if it was, you know, if the chips were really down, you'd get vaccinated. It's like, I don't know how to tell you this, but there are people out there who if they get sick from this, they can't get the vaccine for medical reasons. Or even if they are vaccinated, they're, they're going to get severely sick and, and potentially die. And you're just basically saying to them, well, I don't feel like helping. So that should absolutely be called out over and over again. As a side note, I'm also the least surprised person in the world that Zach Grinke is vaccinated. <laughs> Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> I wish they had asked him. I really do, because he would have given whatever unfiltered answer he had about the vaccine. Oh, my goodness. So a gold star to the Royal Social Media for uh, calling out their own own players on their uh, overall ignorance. Because, uh, yeah, hey. throwing shade at the whole roster. The all 10 guys. <laughs> all at once. Wow. Okay. That was a... Uh, a whirlwind of a podcast so far. Um, do you have a significant and or insignificant final thought for me as we pack this one up? Kind of both. It's the same one, but it's both. <laughs> so the, so uh, major league baseball uh, settled a class action lawsuit with minor league players who sought back pay for minimum wage and overtime stuff for $185 million, which I'm not exactly sure how that's being dispersed, but that's good. The second part, this is the insignificant and significant part. As part of the settlement, Major League Baseball will issue a memo that allows teams to pay minor league players during spring training, extended spring training, and instructional leagues in Florida and Arizona. They hadn't been blocked from doing so. So you weren't even allowed to pay the players during those times, which is insane. But they're still not required to. <laughs> yeah, I feel like allowed was not the right word there in the memo. I feel like... Required would have been the word you were looking for if you were at all an advocate for any of these people. That's crazy. That, that's why it's significant and insignificant at the same time. When I hear that teams are paying for these things, I will 
say that is significant. Now, on that topic, look, spring training, uh, they never pay for that, whatever. Like, I, I think they absolutely should be paid for spring training, but it's it's training, it's whatever. I agree. I don't agree with it, but I like, but extended spring training means you're keeping a guy back and not sending him to a team where he would be paid. How do you not pay that guy? I wish I knew, Josh. And how are I... you not allowed to pay that guy? So anyway, I hope that all these people get paid for all of this now. But until I actually see that it's happening, I'm not going to hold my breath. Um, I have a couple of random thoughts. Uh, my most random one for a final thought is the Blue Jays should now only be playing star against starting pitchers named Zach because it seems to go really well. Um, so between Zach Wheeler and Zach Greinke, um, I think we've established that that's the winning formula. So if we get an, if, we, if there's some way of arranging that, everybody let me know <laughs> and they'll be an undefeated. It's my new nine runs theory. No, Only it's, 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 it's really simple. So you just change the rules. You don't need to be vaccinated across the border. You just need to be named Zach. If you're <laughs> <laughs> so everyone just has to get a name change. They might be we, more open to that than getting the shot. We've cracked the code. <laughs> All right. Which is to say that uh, you have been uh, Zach Housem at Joshua Housem, <laughs> and I have been Zach Wisniewski at 2010. And this has been Artificial Turf Zach's episode number 241. And we will talk at you next week. Mm -hmm.